In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. On today's episode of the podcast, I have a story for Drew about the best worst World Cup defeat in history. That sounds confusing. A little contradictory, some might say, but hopefully I will be able to explain it well. So buckle up, because this is Deadball Brothers. Welcome to Deadball Brothers, a weekly podcast about soccer and history with a healthy, healthy dose of stupidity brought to you by Bet Online and Indeed and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, baby. Double the episodes, double the fun this week. Yeah, I said weekly, and I know that we apologized profusely in the last episode for not being as weekly as we normally are, but guess what? We're coming at you, trying to bring you a little double game week action. It's a, a giving season, it and is a we are here season. to give you another episode of Deadball Brothers. Double your pleasure, double your fun, and oh. dance forever, ever, forever, ever, forever, ever, A. A. <laughs> okay. As they say. As they say. You might be wondering who's hosting this podcast, and you know what? I'll tell you. It's me. Adam Whitaker-Snavely, your most favorite soccer writer out there extraordinaire, joined as always by my real-life brother. Drew Snavely. And a lot has happened in the world of soccer since we have last had a recording session. Because this is episode number two of the night for us. This is. We did the last episode like three minutes ago. Yeah, we we dove right back into this one. We're recording. Double dipping, baby. Back to back. So... So it's not like anything, there hasn't been like any new ground really that's been covered soccer-wise. Christian Pulisic is coming back. Christian Pulisic is already back. He's back. He started against Sevilla. Very cool. He looked healthy. Olivier Drew. Just went off. Scored four goals off his meaty French forehead. I think I watched a little bit of the game and it felt like you could tell that Christian Pulisic really, really wanted to score. Mm. Or like do something it felt like at times he was trying to force things he was doing some good things there were some other times so i was like mm, maybe do less maybe do less maybe a little less bit is lesser. more less is more in this situation yeah but it was good to see him back it's good to see him back healthy he uh made a guy fall down <laughs> which is always a good feeling he's got to get a spot back in the the starting 11 which is significantly harder to crack this year than it was last year I totally feel like. yeah because instead of having to beat out like mason mount for a spot mm-hmm. he's now trying to beat out Zayek and Havertz. Yeah. And Tammy Abraham who's been Well, yeah, really and well. if and if Tammy is playing or Olivier Giroud is playing then or Timo Werner. Timo Werner is playing usually in the spot that Christian Pulisic plays. Yep. So, it is it is harder for that that harder to break into that lineup. Yes. I see similarly, you see a lot of rotation things that are happening in Juventus and RB Leipzig where Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams play. Uh, You see a lot of the times Julian Nagelsmann is switching out Tyler Adams and Kevin Campbell. Um, And Weston McKinney has a bevy of midfield options in his spot. Artur, obviously, is good. Yes, Adrian Rabiot, who has actually looked pretty good this season as well. But Um, Weston's still carving out some playing time. He is. He is. He just started in their Champions League game. Which is awesome. It really, is. really awesome. Serginho Dest is starting for Barcelona. which Scoring goals for Barcelona. Sounds absolutely insane to say, but it's true. And he's one of their better players. That's wild. We have an American that is <laughs> one of Barcelona's better players. I didn't think I would ever say that. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's hard to picture the world that we're living in right now, but we are. It happened much sooner in my life than I thought would happen. If it would happen at all. Yep. You know, but uh, hey, the the United States men's national team players are making a name for themselves on the 
the international stage, they're, the, the they're, European stage. They're doing work, and hopefully they can translate that work to the United States, and hopefully the United States can translate that into actually qualifying for a World Cup. <laughs> that would be nice. Oh, man. That would be nice. Man. Try not to think of... It's been a while since we've been to one of those, you know? Those nights in Trinidad and Tobago. Mm, those Kuva nights. With uh, uh, Omar Gonzalez's freak own goals. <laughs> Honestly, one of the best finishes I've ever seen in my life. Could not replicate that again if he tried. Absolutely not. Oh my gosh. I like... Yeah. When that happened, I was like, we're losing this game. 100%. Absolutely. It was like, the soccer gods are not with us tonight. The Trinidad and Tobago right back scored the goal of his life. Yes. From like 40 yards. Yes. Just a wild hit. A wonder, a wonder strike and the freakiest own goal you've ever seen. Real freaky, baby. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, hopefully the United States qualifies for World Cup. But you know what? When I say World Cup... That's a good segue, because that's where I'm going today. I was going to say, and also, I mean, it's not Trinidad Tobago, but it's from a country around there. We're getting CONCACAFI. We're getting CONCACAFI. Once again, we're talking about a CONCACAF nation. Drew? Yes. I have a story for you. Yes, you do. About the 1982 World Cup, El Salvador, and the worst World Cup defeat of all time. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. You, me, me, you, World Cup 82. Me, you, World Cup 82. <laughs> kind of like me, you, Euro 92. Yep. <laughs> we can't double dip on that title, yeah, probably. Yeah, it's too bad. It's yeah. too much, but yeah. we'll we'll figure something else out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It'll, it'll make sense. Please, please tell me this story of uh, what I'm sure is an absolutely crushing defeat. Yes. And what I'm assuming is uh, a record for... For the men's tournament and not the women's tournament. Yes, it is a men's tournament record. Yes, I should I should have clarified that. Um, the I got women's you. tournament record, I believe, being the United States beating Thailand. Yes, thirteen zero. Yes, in two thousand nineteen. Yeah. I can't imagine there being a worse beatdown in a World Cup. I don't think there is, but I'm not certain. I think that's the record. Yeah. In the men's side, it's a little bit less lopsided, but only slightly. Only <laughs> okay. Now. The 1982 World Cup in Madrid, Spain, has already given us at least, well, it was in a bunch of different Spanish cities. I'm pretty sure the final was in Madrid. It has already given us at least one gem on this here podcast. That time we talked about Belgian hotshot goalkeeper Jean-Marie Pfaff. Oh, yeah. Just faffing around. And his unfortunate collision with a teammate, as well as his not being able to swim when he got pushed into a pool. Yes. Ah, the memories. And all the team drama surrounding <laughs> A him. lot of team drama surrounding <laughs> that Belgian side. But I'm going back to the well on this one because there's another story from the 1982 World Cup that deserves telling. It's the tale of one of the worst World Cup runs in history. Oh. including the worst ever singular defeat in a men's world cup but i think this is not ultimately a sad story okay that's great i think it's one that ends bravely and eventually in a good way mm. eventually eventually bear with us but it's gonna take some time to get there <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna have to go on a journey you oh, know man. you know what i'm saying poor el salvador and just so you're prepared we're getting conca caffeine in 1982 CONCACAF sent two representatives to the World Cup, and one was a very, very unlikely team. I'm assuming the other was Mexico. It wasn't. Oh, really? Oh, I'm going to get into it a little bit. Okay. The team I'm talking about today is El Salvador. Yes. Now, El Salvador had appeared in a World Cup once before, in 1970, where they failed to score a goal. Okay. Unfortunately... For El Salvador, the years that followed contained much more bloodshed than sporting success. Uh. In 1969, a short conflict with Honduras, dubbed the Soccer War, broke out when a World Cup qualifier scheduled between the two countries turned into a land dispute between the two countries. Yes. And that gave way to four days of armed conflict. So the Soccer War, which ended four days... Wasn't great. Yes. Tensions with Honduras remained, and matters weren't helped in the country several years later when the Salvadoran Civil War began. Yeah. Uh, Civil wars, never good. Almost always. Almost always very 
bad. Almost, I mean, I mean, maybe fought for the correct reasons, at least on one side, but bad for just about everybody in terms of bloodshed. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, left-wing guerrilla armies clashed with government forces, backed by the United States, because it was the Cold War and communism was evil, and therefore the United States was backing any non-communists we could, regardless of atrocities being committed which, by all accounts, the self-enduring government was not afraid to commit. Yeah. Um, if there's one thing about the United States, it's that they will back some bad people. Yeah. As long as they are not communist. Yes. Oh, gosh. That's just our thing. Yeah. They, Everybody like, has their thing, you know? Yeah, yeah and the U.S. is this terrible, like badminton terrible... or pickleball, and the United States is war meddling crimes. in foreign affairs and war crimes. Yes. And that's just the way, that's, that's how we do it, baby. Yeah, not many countries have a worse foreign policy than the United States do. And here we are. Hello to all you CIA and FBI agents who are listening to this podcast. (laughs) To all you uh, U.S. government agents listening to this podcast. Sup? Oh, what's good, baby? (laughs) Gosh. The Salvadoran Civil War was bloody and drawn out and effectively destroyed much of El Salvador's infrastructure. Sporting success, then, wasn't first and foremost in most people's minds in the country. El Salvador's national team, however, provided the country some respite from the conflict. Mm-hmm. Former player Mauricio Alfaro once said, All we know is that when we played the qualifiers, we made the killings from both factions cease. The people united at least for a day. That was our greatest gift. The country was in deep suffering, and we had the pressure of trying to reduce it. So, no pressure. Yeah. Very normal, just normal things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No pressure at all. (laughs) The 1981 CONCACAF Championship was also the region's World Cup qualifier and was being hosted by... The United States? No. Mexico? No. El Salvador? No. Costa Rica? Honduras. Oh, okay. The people that El Salvador just had a war with. Yes, yes, that makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm-hmm, (laughs) mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mexico was favorited, because they always are. Yes. Honduras was looked at favorably to grab the second spot in the competition they were hosting. And the El Salvadorans were just hoping to be able to give their country a reason to smile, really. It was kind of like a, well, uh, we, we don't, we're not expected to get in. Give so. it your best shot, boys. Basically. Yeah. Pretty much how it went. Make us proud. And then El Salvador beat Mexico. It's notable. That was, as the kids say, a big friggin' deal. (laughs) Mexico was led by legend Hugo Sanchez. Yes. Who was playing in Spain at the time for Atletico Madrid. Mm -hmm. El Salvador's team was almost entirely amateur, with only one full-time professional in their ranks. Yeah, they were probably like school teachers, tax collectors. There was only one person that was only playing soccer, and that's it. Yeah. Dentists. They were not supposed to be remotely close to Mexico's level. Uh Uh-huh. And yet... El Salvador prevailed, 1-0. And then despite a loss to Canada, El Salvador also pulled out a 4-0 win against Haiti. Pull out, Kings. And drew against Honduras and Cuba. I note that joke, and I'm just going to skip over it and ignore (laughs) it completely. They drew against Honduras and Cuba to finish second in the tournament, which is basically a round-robin style affair. What's more... Mexico only managed to win one game in that tournament, dropping to third place. And hosts Honduras took the top spot. Oh, goodness. Despite their rivals finishing above them, El Salvador was going back to the World Cup. And they were determined to impress some people while they were there. Unfortunately, El Salvador's World Cup hopes were soon dampened by a tough draw. The group, including Hungary... Belgium, Jean-Marie Favre, and defending champs, Argentina. That's, yeah, that's that's rough. Who were featuring one Diego Maradona. Um, yes. Which is, which is not awesome for your chances. Yeah, oh, we never even mentioned Maradona. Yeah, well, We haven't mentioned him on the podcast. We, I mean, everybody's... We didn't, we didn't actually, that's a good point. Uh, Maradona <laughs> has passed away. Yeah, he's no longer with us. So this is a kind of a little bit of a... Not a tribute to him, but he comes up at least one more time in this story. Okay. So, yeah. Did a lot for the game. <laughs> he, truly, he did. He truly, truly did. 
gosh. May, um, may he rest in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> and we won't talk about that one that one time that you said that one thing about him on this podcast. No, we we really won't. Respect for the dead and all that. No. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think um, like some of my favorite tweets though are, are the people that are like. No, it's a miracle that Maradona made it as long as that he did. It's true. Because dude had an absolutely bonkers lifestyle. Yes. And still made it to 60. Had a multiple, multiple decades-long cocaine addiction. I think that's what made it so shocking. Had to get lap band surgery at one point because he was so obese. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what makes it so shocking, his death. Because after everything that he'd been through up until that point, he had just conquered kind He's, of he seemed like it was just gonna be like oh yeah. this is just the He's it's, it's kind of like donald trump it's yeah. like oh this is the person that's just gonna live horribly and still live to 90 yes because he's bulletproof for some yes. reason yes not to be unfortunately no now even more unfortunately for el salvador the civil war was still raging as it would be for the next decade wow i didn't realize that was that long yep it lasted like 12 years that's terrible mm-hmm which led to further complications for the Salvadoran team traveling to Spain. But no one expected their World Cup to go quite as bad as it actually did. Okay. And as El Salvador were heading straight for the wrecking books, or and El Salvador, pardon, a misspeak. Yes. El Salvador were heading straight for the record books, and not in the way they were. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast brought to you by indeed even though sports had a break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people fast unlike other sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the podcast, brought to you by Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. to those wonderful sponsors for our podcast we also have a new review to read this week very very exciting yes i'm so excited we haven't gotten a, a new one in a while yeah it has been a little bit but we are up to 65 star ratings now which we are is incredible 100 percent success rate for us which is stars. remarkable we love that to be honest um but we do have a review from ivan gar 94 mm. Thank you, Ivan Gar ninety four, <laughs> podcast heaven. Oh, who am I to who? Yeah, who am I to disagree? Yeah, not not Ty. That sounds great. I can I can do it. An awesome podcast 
full of soccer stories I had no clue about <laughs> and hilarious mispronunciations. Okay, guy. That's on me. Ah, what? <laughs> the best place to learn of little-known facts about our game. These brothers have a great chemistry for storytelling and an equal love for the sport. Keep the stories coming. Wow. Thank you, Ivan. That's such a great review. Yeah, that's, that's a so really, nice. really kind review. Thank you so much. Man, I'm sorry that it's uh, taken a few weeks since you've reviewed us that we have given you a shout-out, Ivan. But know that uh, you still mean just as much to us as all of our other podcast listeners. We so, so appreciate it. Yes, and really it, do. it is. It is a big, big boon and help to us that you have rated this podcast. And to anybody listening right now, if you haven't given us a rating and review, it's also really, really big and important if you would do so for us because it helps us a whole lot. And also, if you give us a review, then we will give you a shout out on the podcast just like we did for Ivan. And so uh, you can make it as hilarious or as terrible or as nice or as mean as you want, and we will still read it. This is very true. It does not matter. Drew, we also have WTFPL still going on at the moment. We do. The FPL League. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I am kind of okay. (laughs) I'm in 30th, which in the grand scheme of things, there's over 100 people in the league this year. Which is... So, another another great thing. Yeah, it was just pretty pretty cool. You're up into seventh. Yeah, I was as high as fourth, I believe, but I think I dropped a few places last week. I was in the low twenties, and then I forgot to set my lineup a couple times in a row. Brutal, and that really knocked me down. Cancelo culture down in thirtieth place now. Mm. Still not like I'm still less than a hundred points off of first place. Yeah, so that's still. Like, not even halfway through the season, that's still not awful. Yeah, no, it's, it's not awful. I'm not doing terribly no, at this point. You're doing pretty well. Uh, first place currently occupied by Asofianovich. Asofianovich. That's a mouthful. It really is. I'm not sure exactly how But they to... are doing well. They're doing really well uh, with uh, 645 total points currently. Yeah, I think I'm uh, a handful of points off of that. I'm still gunning for that top spot. I'm uh, going to get it. And a little name shout out, Rebecca T with the name Trentedict Arnold. <laughs> yeah. Which I love. Yes, that is very nice. I just I just think that's that's great. That's a I, good I'm name. I'm pretty sure Big Dyke Energy is still up there too. Big Dyke Energy is in third place. Yeah. So shouts out Jonathan and Big Dyke Energy. That's really crushing it right <laughs> a now. A repeat from last year. Absolutely. But still an incredible name. Yes. <laughs> so I think that's. I think we've gone through all we need to go through. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit longer good. of a middle yeah. section, but we had a couple of housekeeping things we hadn't gotten to in a while. Yeah. So, uh, story time? Yeah, let's get back to it. Adam, El Salvador finally made the World Cup again. Um, for the first time since 1970, 12 years. I guess it's just been three. They've missed two World Cups, I guess, which isn't that long of a break, I feel like, for a country of El Salvador size. That still feels like a long time, it's, though. But, I mean, 12 years. It's a long time. Yeah. It's, like, if the United States went 12 years without a World Cup... We would be foaming at the mouth. Yes. We'd be like, oh, man, we're going to lose, but we're so happy that we're in the World <laughs> Cup. <laughs> but, I mean, eight years feels like a long time. Yeah. And uh, we're still, we still haven't even made it eight years, mm-hmm. which is truly unfortunate. But El Salvador, like you said, was in the World Cup and setting records for all the wrong reasons. Yep. Qualifying for the World, World Cup in Spain. Hooray. Yes. That's great. Now they needed to get all the logistics together. And for a team whose country was in a war, that turned out to be a sticking point. Yeah. Yeah. A pretty, if, a fairly big one, I if, would say. If you think about it, like, oh... The, more or less, the soccer, a lot of soccer governing boards are kind of functions of the government. Yeah. Or receive heavy government backing. Yeah. And when your country's in a civil war, you kind of don't think about how that can be affected. That's what I was kind of thinking. Like, so you have two sides in a civil war in a country. Like, were all the soccer players from one side? Or I'm assuming that. They come from all over the place, yeah. all over the country. So it was, it was definitely, it was a weird one because it wasn't like a, don't think American Civil War when you think okay. about it. It wasn't defined 
places that were at war it was groups like people groups yeah so gotcha. not, not even like people groups it was like political groups gotcha so it would be more like if it it's like antifa versus yeah uh, it would it would be boys. like it would be like if a war broke out between democrats and republicans yeah like like that's what it would be like there was like guerrilla groups and then a government faction and it was a kind of a mess and actually i did see in my research that there were people on the salvadoran team there were some people that backed the government and there were some people that were more sympathetic to the guerrilla groups. Yeah. But they kind of just put that aside when they went on the field, basically. Yeah. And they didn't really talk about it that much. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. But it did still leave a lot to figure out in terms of this. We need to get the team ready for World Cup. We need to get the team to the World Cup. We'd have to figure out all these things. Trainings were frequently interrupted. Oh, gosh. The team struggled to schedule many friendlies in order to train for the World Cup. Defender Francisco Hovell gave 442 this immortal quote. If some of us arrived late, it was because we had to assist wounded people abandoned alongside the road. Good Lord. So that's what they're, that's some of the stuff they're dealing with. That's so terrible. Their travel plans to the competition itself were a nightmare described as if it was planned by the enemy, according to Jaime Rodriguez. The team left for the World Cup and for some reason first went to Brazil to play a friendly against Grêmio. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eight days before their opening match against Hungary, they were in Brazil playing a friendly against Grêmio. Hey, got to stay sharp. Got to get, get those reps in, you know? <laughs> From there, the Salvadorans started plane hopping to Guatemala, where they slept in the airport, and then to Costa Rica then to the Dominican Republic, and then finally they got on a plane to Spain there, and they finally went to Spain. Yeah, 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 for but, sure. But, like, they had to go, for some reason, to, like, three other countries in Central America first. Jeez. To make matters worse, the team was dealing with officials from the government and their FA that didn't really seem to have the team's best interests at heart either. Two of the players from the regular squad were omitted so that there would be room on the plane for two extra members from the Honduran FA to attend. What? Yeah. El Salvador were forced to travel to World to the World Cup with only 20 players instead of the maximum of 22 that literally everyone else took to the World Cup. Uh-huh. The Salvadoran FA reportedly said, a 20-man squad is more than enough. <laughs> you only need 11 players. What you need 22 for? So so why do you need 22? We're taking off two of those players and we're giving them to our guys. <laughs> oh my gosh. The players protested and even had to raise their own funds for the two players left behind to join the team, but to little avail. Again, El Salvador had an almost entirely amateur team. None of those people had getting two people on a plane across the Atlantic money. Yeah. It was just... Man. They, so those two people were, that were on the team, they just they got just left did. out. That like sucks. the coach had them on the team, and the yeah. Salvador and FA were just like, "No, nah. these two play; these two people don't play that much. We're just not going to put them on the list, Man. so that two of our guys can go." That sucks so hard. Yeah, imagine being one of those players. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Awful. I would feel. I'd be sick. I'd be devastated. I mean, man. Yeah. <laughs> Unimaginable. I mean, you you put in all this work with this team. Uh, amidst uh, and you did it all this chaos you, and you, you did it you, you made you it you made this this phenomenal achievement you absolutely deserve your spot and then two big wigs from your fa were like ah uh, we i want to go on the, on the plane i want to go i don't want to go to spain gosh man like yeah you can come with us but you have to sit in the storage ca- cabinet oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, El Salvador was the last team to arrive for the World Cup in Spain. Getting to their accommodations in Alicante, where they were playing Hungary, three days before their opening match. Oof. It's not a lot of time to adjust. I mean, because also, this is in Spain, which I'm assuming is at least five hours ahead of yes. El Salvador. Because mm-hmm. I know that it's five hours from the East Coast. Yeah. So maybe it's, like six hours? It's it's several hours ahead. Yeah. Um, Honduras got there a month before their opening match. Yeah. And we're playing friendlies in Spain. Yeah, that makes sense. El Salvador sense. got there three, 
three days. Before Give your players a, a shot to acclimate themselves to the. I mean, not just the time difference, but also just the climate there is different than mm-hmm. what it is in El Salvador. Yep. So they were the last team to get there. They did not have any balls to train with. As the game balls FIFA issued to them to train with had gone missing. What? So <laughs> were they playing with like an imaginary ball? <laughs> they also did not have enough tracksuits for the full team. As those also apparently vanished, the ones that FIFA what? issued to them. And the ones they got still had patches from the 1974 World Cup on them. Here's what I'm guessing is what happened. I'm guessing what happened is that the, the, all that stuff got sent to the FA. And, and like, the FA was like, here's some cool stuff. Yeah. And also here's like, oh, we could possibly sell this. Or like that sort of thing. Yeah. I'm assuming that's what happened. I'm yeah. assuming it was mostly just like a product of government yeah, corruption. Yeah, there, because there's no way that FIFA's going to like forget uh, or misplace pretty certain it was on the Honduran FA gear or that the El Salvador they're supplying uh, FA there. teams yeah otherwise they would replace something like mm-hmm. that so they were jet lagged they were understocked on equipment uh, they had no time to prepare for Hungary uh, what little training they did get in before their first match they managed because they asked Hungary if they could spare a couple of extra balls so that they could train with them jeez they also knew next to nothing about their opponents they had only managed to scrounge up one videotape of their opponents from a Spanish scout that happened to be there. And they basically saw them play in this one game from this like VHS tape that they got yeah. from this scout. And their coach said, oh, they play like PSG. Which El Salvador actually had had like a friendly with, uh-huh. and they won. Yeah. And they said, they play like PSG. All that we need to do is attack. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's all that we need to do. <laughs> hey, that's uh, that's won a couple games. Now, not knowing anything about the opponents did not stop Salvadorans back home from optimism, as the Guardian reported a poll taken in the country showed sixty percent of respondents expected their side to win the opener. Pipo Rodriguez, El Salvador's manager and the youngest manager in the tournament at thirty-seven years young, wow, was determined to implement his all-out attacking style on the highest stage, sending his wingbacks flying forward into the attack. Mm. As El Salvador would soon find out, this was not a good plan. <laughs> uh, it turns out they don't actually play like PSG. The game opened against Hungary, and Hungary scored the first goal in the fourth minute. Okay. And then they scored the second goal in the 11th minute. Uh-huh. And then they scored the third goal in the 24th minute. Not going well. Again and again, El Salvador would pour forward into the attack. And again and again, Hungary simply galloped into the space they left behind them and scored. By the 27th minute, Pipo Rodriguez knew he needed to make a change. Another attacker. Oh, no. He's like, you know what? It's not working. Go what we broke. need? A forward, baby. Another forward. More attack. Push it all the way up to 11. We're playing a 4-6. <laughs> he brought in Luis Ramirez. A forward whom his countrymen had nicknamed El Pele. El Pele. <laughs> which is a a bold nickname, shall we say. Yeah, it is. It's um it's got some weight to it. It's yeah. uh I I get nervous playing in a, a jersey that says Pele on the back, just like in recreational games. I'm yeah. like man, I'm really that guy out here wearing a Pele jersey. Like <laughs> I guess I have to play well. But at least I didn't have a nickname. El Pele. El El Pele Ramirez. Oh my gosh. He was tremendously popular with the fans, although not as much with Pipo Rodriguez. Uh, But the coach figured he needed some help for Magico Gonzalez. Okay. It's literally Magico. Oh. Oh. Magico Gonzalez. That makes sense. The team's talisman and the only full professional player on the team. The Salvadorans pushed back and got forward for some attacks and managed to get to halftime with a score till still 3-0. So, after the sub, not terrible. No. They didn't get any goals. Hey, the They didn't for- give up any goals. An extra forward worked out. Yeah, extra forward worked out. They didn't give up any more goals. Yeah. I don't see what the problem is. And they started to threaten a little bit more. Yeah. As far as I can tell, everything is all Gucci. Yeah. Hungary manager Kalman Mezzoli. Mez- I don't know how to pronounce this name. There's another one of those pronunciations. Mezzoli. Sure. Mazzoli. 
Mesley. Mesley. Uh, the Mesley hungry Mesley man. If you are a loved one, <laughs> you are a loved one. <laughs> you may be entitled to compensation. The hungry manager, Coleman Mesothelioma, was displeased with his scoreline, telling his players that the game was still in reach for the Salvadorans, which doesn't sound like something you, a sane person, would say after your team scored three goals in less than thirty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it's still right there. Hey, you, three three nil is the most dangerous lead. Hey, you never know. You uh, teams have come back from worse. Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, they have. Um, not on this stage, though. Mm, no, no, uh, not really. <laughs> it's a, it's expected that most teams are good enough to not give up that type of lead on this stage. But hey, I thought Brazil were going to come back from three 0 down, and then, and then they give up four more. They goals. gave up four four goals. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was the worst day. That was terrible. We went to a German bar for the Brazil Germany game to watch Brazil play, and. Uh, Truly terrible. Well, that was yeah. That was an awful day. Yeah, not a good time for us. No, not at all. <laughs> oh man, David Luiz tears. Hungary took those psychopathic urgings to heart, and when the second half started, promptly scored two more goals in the 50th and 55th minute. Okay, taking the lead to five nil. All right, so the Ford's not working out nope, anymore. Nope, nope, definitely not. But then, something intriguing happened. Ooh. El Salvador scored a goal. Hey, let's go. Their first, first ever, ever World, World Cup yes. goal. Mahiko got on the ball in the 64th minute, much to the light of a nonpartisan crowd who had begun rooting for the Salvadorans. Heck yeah. And their fearless and or stupid attack. Man, they must have been so it must have been so funny to watch, but because they were so uh relentlessly uh committed to the yes <laughs> to the attacking style of play they won everyone else over yeah like oh man these guys are adorable go get a goal i think neutral fans at world cup games are is one of the best things yeah because they, they're always rooting for the underdog mm-hmm. totally uh mahiko was easily the best player on el salvador's team and possibly was the best player on the field that day he was dribbling and cutting getting around defenders left and right it's just it wasn't coming together for the El Salvador attack and Hungary was just managing to get all those counterattack goals hey and man you don't get the the nickname magic for nothing that's true and that's all I have to say but he did the same on this play opening up enough space for himself to shoot the shot skewed off his foot but fell fortunately to El Pele Ramirez. Oh, shoot. Who settled and <laughs> slotted the ball home. Ramirez went wild. Yeah. Celebrating the goal as if he would never score another one. <laughs> a few of his teammates joined in his rapturous celebrations, <laughs> while a few more tried to tell him to shut up and calm down. We were still down four goals. Afraid, And they were afraid that the big celebrations and stuff would make Hungary angry. <laughs> and that they would start trying really hard again. Oh like, stop this. You're gonna you're gonna make something that's bad a, that's happen. A, to a, us. That's a sneaky strategy to just be like, oh like act like it's not that big of a deal because they've took their foot off the gas a little bit. Uh-huh. And if you score it's like, oh whatever. Oh uh, whatever uh, we can well, there's, still, there's, there's still no way that we'll come back. Uh, we'll never come back. And then you <laughs> score again and it's kind of like Unless. Unless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, so El Pele, very, very excited. His teammates, less excited with his celebrations. And you know what? The score was still 5-1 hungry. El Salvador was not going to win this game. Everybody knew this. But for a brief second, the Salvadorans found just a little glimmer of joy. Oh, and they okay. seized onto it. And then Hungary scored five minutes later. Ah, man. In fact, a 55th minute substitute, Laszlo Kis, would score a hat trick in seven minutes. Oh, gosh. And Hungary would go up eight to one. Yeah, it's brutal. Before full time, Hungary added two more goals. What? So 10 to one is what you're saying? 
10 to 1 is exactly what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> and 10 to 1 is, depending on how you look at it, the greatest victory or worst ever defeat in men's World Cup history. The person keeping track of the scoreboard, because it was actually like a placards that you, oh, he was like yeah. hanging up. You could have put in two numbers. He had to improvise yeah. a way to hang up a one and a zero. Because That's he, what I do. There's no he ten. Didn't have, he didn't have a two-digit number system because <laughs> nobody expected it to Gosh, happen. Man. Yeah, it's like what Fenway Park does. Yes. Except I don't know what they do. Well, I mean, it's just numbers that a guy actually puts into the little slot. I guess they must have like a. I guess they must have double-digit numbers. Yep. I'd assume they'd have to. Yeah, they do. Now, El Salvador, on no rest, with little knowledge of their opponents and with a naive tactical plan at best, were absolutely pummeled. To add insult to injury, the twenty-man squad played out the historic result without their FA representatives in attendance. What were they doing? That's right. The guys that their FA had bumped two players off the squad for didn't attend any of El Salvador's matches at the World Cup and instead took a Spanish vacation. Oh my gosh, dude. (laughs) I would kill those guys. I seriously would. Ooh, man. Man, that is... That's so messed up on so many levels. Yep. Yep. Feel for those El Salvadorians. Now, the the scoreline did flatter Hungary a little bit. Okay. As uh, Tibor Nialisi, who was a Hungarian player, said, The game is impossible to repeat. Had we played it a hundred times, we would have never racked up ten. Actually, they weren't as bad a team as the result suggests. The problem was that they just tried to go forward rather naively. So even the Hungarian players were like, this wouldn't happen in this uh, this wouldn't happen again in a, in a million years. If we had if they had a coach that was maybe a little bit better with the old tactics, yeah, yeah. and it's... and it was a it was very much the kind of like the, even the Hungarians were like their players weren't bad, like yeah. they had good players on their yeah. team. It's not like they I mean were... they had a guy whose name was Magic, the Magic Man, Magic Mike, and in, in, and they still and won Pele and El Pele. Hey. <laughs> El Salvador set out to prove him right the rest of the tournament. The team effectively staged a coup against their manager, Pipo Rodriguez. Oh my gosh. What did they do? <laughs> kind of like France in 2010. You remember that? When France, the France team imploded oh, at the South African World yes, Cup? Yes, yes, yes. And they yes. basically kind of like all rebelled against their coach? Yes, I do remember that. Okay, so they basically didn't listen to him and just said like, we're just setting up our own tactics for the rest of the tournament. And that's the way this is going to happen. That's kind of how I imagine LeBron playing on a team with <laughs> LeBron James. Yeah. <laughs> like, they call timeout and the coach is saying something and LeBron's like, all right, so this is what we're actually going to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so they basically were just trying to stabilize the team and not embarrass themselves. Finished the rest of the tournament, respectively. They fought Belgium tooth and nail before falling 1-0. Hey. Respectable. Certainly respectable. And the, the Faf Lord. The Faf Lord. Lord Jean, Faf. Jean-Marie himself. Yes. And then clashed with Argentina, falling 2-0 to one of the pre-tournament favorites. I was going to say, who had just won the last World yes. Cup. Yes, yes. With Diego Maradona still on the team. Diego Maradona was not on the team oh, in 1978. Okay, never mind. I think 1982 was his first World Cup. Uh, <laughs> oh. He was no, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying in 1982. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. You're, you're correct. You're correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a very prickly game. Okay. At one point, apparently, Argentine player Americo Gallego called Salvadoran goalkeeper Luis Mora a dirty gorilla man. <laughs> Gorilla. This, this has got to be a fun matchup because it's the first time that both teams like speak the same language. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're probably trash talking each other the entire time. Yeah, and now they actually know what everybody else is saying. <laughs> yeah, um, you didn't have like some Hungarian like cursing uh, yeah. another El Salvadorian yeah, out. Yeah. And what do they speak? is Hungary a language? Hungarian. Hungarian, Hungarian is language. <laughs> is Hungary a language? It's Hungary. <laughs> Very smart man. I'm such an idiot. <laughs> Um, so after he said that, Mora replied, 
um, by reminding Amerigo Gallego that the English had bombed Argentina's ships in the Falklands War, which had just happened a couple months earlier. Oh my god! Which is such a one like zero to a hundred. Yeah. I mean, okay, so so he called him a gorilla man, which he didn't say gorilla like the animal. It was a gorilla like a gorilla fighter. So That's like what I assumed. he was referencing, they're like they're referencing each other's wars. Yeah, it wasn't like a it wasn't like a racial slur. <laughs> Which is such a like but but they were yeah so that that is what they were saying. Yeah, but it's such a like very like both of them such a outlandish like place to go immediately. Yeah, like let's just settle on like insulting each other's moms. There's no need to go to the wars so Gosh, quickly. Man, like people are dying. <laughs> There's no need for this. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so both of those things are very normal and d- definitely not terrible things to say to someone on the soccer field. Um, the Salvadorans did earn their respect, however, despite losing 2-0. Uh, and Diego Maradona would later call Mágico one of the 10 best players he had ever seen. Wow. Mágico achieved Team of the Tournament honors. Wow. And was signed by Cadiz. I was going to say... Did- did he get a, a big contract from European yeah. club? So yeah. that's awesome. So he, he played he in went, Spain. He went, he went to Spain. Yeah. Uh, and Felipe Mora, the, the goalkeeper that led in 10 goals uh-huh. in the... Whoops. Let's <laughs> kick something. Uh, the goalkeeper that led in 10 goals against Hungary. He also... I don't know if it was in Spain or if it was in, in a, a North American team. Yeah. But he also signed a contract after the, the World Cup to play professionally. And, like, a bunch of these players on El Salvador's team that were amateurs in this tournament went on to be full professionals. That's awesome. And, like, make soccer their living, basically, for that a few is, years. That is the beauty of, of the World Cup. You, yeah. get your, you get your Jaime's Rodriguez's, and I'm trying to... Th- I mean, Jaime's is, is more recent, where he was, like, not super well-known yet. And he was then, at Monaco, right? Yeah. He was and at then Monaco he, like, World Cup blew happened. up... Yeah. During the uh, 2014 World Cup, was it? He did. Yeah. And now so. he's at Everton. And now he's at Everton. Up the toffees. Up the toffees. <laughs> Man, he has such a cute smile after that. Man, he's adorable. <laughs> Man. Adorable. What a good looking dude. He really is. <laughs> so the humiliation of the 10-1 defeat stuck with El Salvador for a while. And many of their players were treated as pariahs in their homeland. Even a bunch of these players that were recognized as good players and signed professional contracts in Europe and places because everybody was like, oh, a bunch of these Salvadoran players are actually pretty good. Like, they had a really, really tough draw and an awful loss. Yeah. But they're good at soccer. Yeah. Let's sign them. But, like, El Salvador people were like, you're an embarrassment to the country. What? Yeah. Yeah. For a long time. A long time. Jeez. Despite having some legitimately impressive showings and more than a few players earning themselves professional contracts. Yeah. People Rodriguez never coached again. Well, yeah. But he was only 37. Yeah. He never coached again. That's, that's tough to recover from. That's though. wild. When you start, when your team starts playing remarkably better. When they <laughs> like stage a coup against When they you. stage a coup and uh, are going directly against your, True. your plans Definitely. and tactics. Uh, I think it's time for a career change. That's fair. That's he's no, fair. He's no Eddie Howe. <laughs> he's no Jurgen Klopp. As time progressed, however, the accomplishments of the 1982 Salvadoran team began to be acknowledged. Until finally, in 2007, El Salvador hosted Hungary in a friendly match featuring several players who played for both sides in that fateful 10-1 to drubbing to celebrate the World Cup team's 25th anniversary. Man, they're just all 80 years old now. Yeah, 80 years old. Not no, they're 80. in like their 40s. I know. <laughs> but still. <laughs> I've been 20 years after the fact, so they're all like in their 40s. Yeah. Like a little tribute match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hungary jumped out to a 2 0 lead. <laughs> oh, gosh. Until. Magico. Magico. Pele Ramirez. Oh, Pele. Came off the bench <laughs> where he fittingly scored. And then... Scored again? Scored again. Oh my gosh. The 25th anniversary match ended in a 2-2 draw. Man, so beautiful. And El Salvador, the worst losers in World Cup history, finally got their flowers. Wow. Finally got that elusive draw that they've been That elusive for. point that they've been <laughs> waiting for. 
that is the story of the best worst loss in World Cup history. Some sources for this were Martin Azor for 442 and Paul Doyle for The Guardian. Very, very cool. Not the first time that Paul Doyle has been uh, used as a source on this podcast. Nope. Uh, thank you for bringing that story to light. Yeah, um, dude. To me and to the listeners. I figured it was. A, it has been a, a hot second since we had a good CONCACAF story. Yeah, yeah. Outside was, of the Jack Warner stuff. It was, because because the Jack Warner stuff was so much of like stuff that wasn't soccer. He was just it was just known because he was a soccer guy. He's a soccer guy, but I mean the levels of corruption went so much yeah, beyond. Yeah, this is just a solid soccer story. Yeah, yeah, very Concacafy. Definitely um, Concacafy. Also, like terrible because like with all the wars and stuff. Oh yeah, the wars are not not key. Um, but another another story is like. Uh, a team being resilient. I yeah. mean, cause there's some they, redemption. Yeah. Like they lost terribly to hungry and that has to be so embarrassing. Yeah. Um, yes. When, and, and then they only lose one nil to Belgium who has a very strong side. And then Argentina two nil. I mean, those are respectable losses. That's yeah, not like, definitely. I mean, yeah, you didn't score against them, but still it's, you're not getting blown out. Like you're you're playing with them. Yeah, like those teams are are better than Hungary. Or Definitely. like Ar- Argentina's better than Hungary at least. I would say Belgium was at that tournament too. Yeah, cuz this is well after the Puskas days. Yeah, it was. Um, cuz that was all black and white, you know. 19 You get to to 1982 and it's uh you start all getting color. Into color. <laughs> black and white just oh, uh, can't compete. We we've been talking for a while, so I think I'll I'll wrap it up a little bit. We Please already talked so. about giving a rating or review and helping out the podcast um, through that and also through merch. I believe we, in I the didn't middle. say merch on oh, this you one. Didn't say, but... You didn't say merch in the middle. Well, there's merch in the description below. Yes, you can buy a sweatshirt, a t-shirt. Um, it's a great season to buy that stuff and give it as a gift to somebody. Ooh, if you want so, to, if not, they want some skull centric merchandise. Yeah, if they're uh, if they're spooky boys or spooky girls. <laughs> A good Christmas present spooky for the, people. the spooky people in your life. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you want to follow us on our social medias, we are at DeadBallPod on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, and we are. you can find us on Facebook as well. If you want us to dive into any stories or have any questions or concerns, you can reach us at DeadBallPod at gmail.com, and we will respond at some point this year. Definitely. At some point within the year. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely try to <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, but uh, thank you, Adam, for this story. And thank you, listeners, for sticking with us through this entire podcast that's run a little bit long. Ooh, it's a little bit of a long podcast? It's a little bit of a long podcast, but it was enjoyable. Good. It, incredibly enjoyable. I'm glad. I'm Remarkably glad. enjoyable. And you know what? We'll be back soon enough to mispronounce your favorite countries and teams <laughs> and players in no time at all. So I hope you enjoy this slightly long podcast. And until next time, my name is Adam Whitaker-Snavely. And I'm Drew. And we'll see you soon.